0: It's time to start unpacking with a brand new episode of the B Word Unpacked, hosted by the ladies of Good Stock Consulting, Kelly Kim and Ebony.
1: Welcome back, B-Pack, to the B Word Unpacked with your girls, Kim, Kelly, and me, Eb, Um, And if you have been a B-packer from day one, you know, we have many passions. Like, we are basically like passion whores in a way because, but uh, (laughs) we're jumping from like something. A whores,
0: Jesus. Mm -hmm.
1: just passion whores, okay? Throw some whores. Right. (laughs) But our one true love is tackling and dismantling racial health disparities. I mean, it literally is the reason why we found a good stock consultant in the first place, which is odd because, yeah, I just realized we never really talk about good stock the- we
2: don't. <laughs> we need to do an episode. Let's let's make a business episode. There you go, Kelly. Business. that's a good one. Let's do that. Let's do no, that. We have to do that because I was like, this is
1: crazy. Uh, because we do have an entire medical consulting firm, and this, this podcast <laughs> that is
0: booked and busy. Booked, booked and, and busy. busy. That's what
2: we oh, should name. Oh, it. Booked, it. booked and busy. Booked and busy. Right. There you uh, go.
1: Right, but we use we use this podcast to really reach out to the community to say that you know. Yes, we talk to corporations and we talk to these um, industries, but what our true passion is is dealing with people, right? Um, And in our company, we deal with medical. Um, medical disparities, racial disparities, and really agnostic to industry. But what we try to do is just say, what factors are contributing to how marginalized communities are unfairly targeted? Um, And the topic of our today's talk is one disease process that I feel like all women, we take pause in our tracks when we hear it. Um, Yeah, because we're talking about breast and more specifically breast cancer. Now, -hmm. this will be a heavy topic because You know, it is one of those things that literally causes fear and it does completely interrupt life. But we're hoping this topic actually has the potential to save lives. And I want to go ahead and apologize um, because y'all know I'm emotional. I cry about everything on any normal day, um, so there will likely be tears throughout this entire recording because the guest we have today is none other than my bestie. Um, I literally do consider her my adopted sister. Um, she is the mother of my godson, who is Carl Le- Leslie Tarpley IV, A.K.A. Chip, A.K.A. Little Bean. Um, she is a wife. She's <laughs> a daughter. She's a big sister, and. She now has the medical record to say that she is a cancer survivor and she's only what 35 years old and her name is Lauren Candice Tarpley so welcome
0: Lauren.
3: Welcome Lauren. welcome, Lauren. Yes. Thank you for that warm welcome. You're putting those government names out there. Those Christians.
0: There. I mean, the full <laughs> put birth it certificate, all out there. the full oh, birth me. certificate, you and vessel records. Yeah,
3: go Lauren,
1: Tempest, Candy, star? Like, <laughs> did you want to put <laughs> it all out there so they can find <laughs> my mama name is Linda.
2: I mean, if you want to, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I just got doxed. <laughs> Like,
0: That's really, hilarious. Well, ladies, right. Well, ladies, well, clearly. Uh, This is Kelly and my first time meeting Lauren face to face, Mm -hmm. but you can see that we're already natural, organic friends. So let's just hop on over to the B-side to get into the nitty gritty of this breast cancer. Welcome to the B-side. All right, now, Lauren, I'm, I'm going to take over for a little while because I can already see that Eb's eyes are getting misty. Okay.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, I've
0: up- like got it under control for the most Yes, yes, yes. Be- no, that last has got me. I know, I know. But it's tough. It's not just yeah. tough because you're her friend, but it's tough because you're 35. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, yes. this is young and, and prime in our lives. And I just really want to hear your story. But before we jump into that, um... I think it's important that people know the facts and know the stats, right? And why we're so kind of overwhelmed with the fact that you're so young and Mm -hmm. and still living with something like breast cancer, because according to the American Cancer Society, women ages 40 to 44, they should have a choice to start annual breast cancer screening with mammograms if they wish to do so. But we know that doctors don't always suggest this. Mm -hmm. Um, Women age 45 to 54 should get a mammogram every year. But we also know that Black women were predisposed disposed. And so we should probably start doing this a bit sooner. Um, Women 55 and older, they should switch to mammograms every three years, or they can continue that annual screening. But again, Black women, Um, and then screening should continue as long as this woman is in good health and expected to live for 10 or more years. But again, not always something that's included in our routine health screenings. And so I wanna back up. So I put all that on the side of the road to get back in my lane to ask you, how were you diagnosed? Like, did you have a lump? Did you have a certain feeling? Was it something that you you were kind of pondering over for a while? Like what, what was that initial process like for you?
3: Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll get to what the American Cancer Society recommends, but all of that verbiage was very, like, here, there, up, down, left, right. Like, it was like, no, how about we just say everyone can get screened if they... Mm -hmm. if you want to stay on top of it all that stuff everyone has different contributing factors genetics lifestyle where you live because honestly with all the the people that I've met and have been so helpful I honestly think a lot of them were um plagued with this disease if you so want to if you want to put it like that, um, because of environmental factors for sure. Mm.
2: Uh,
3: it's, one of the girls that I met, her dog had the same kind of cancer as she did. She fell wow. on, on her dog while she was in treatment. Where does that, he live? She lives in Pittsburgh
2: hmm. uh,
3: and wow. uh, that has to be some sort of environmental factor that's insane Mm -hmm. you're not related to the dog Mm -hmm. you can can try to discredit any theories that anyone comes up with and i understand we're not doctors and no one you know some people do go in with dr google or md web md and
2: that's Mm -hmm. super annoying
3: but when your dog has the same cancer as you like we need to look at some things sure Um, but um to go back to your question um i am slightly a hypochondriac (laughs) um
1: and so um, Um, Take it back. She is just in tune with her body. and, I has, am. And, and this and I think this is important for people to know because oftentimes he will say oh people just don't take care of themselves Lauren literally schedules she is the person that schedules her dental dental appointment every year she is that <laughs> one that's going to get her twice a year,
0: year. I'm <laughs> with you Lauren I'm
2: with you Lauren
1: <laughs> Lauren is the kind of person she has a when I say a garden y'all you have of those dangly hanging gardens the, 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 yes, the upside turvy. down garden, yeah, a the vertical garden. Yes, yes. She's an 80, 80 year old woman because she has yes. on her porches with literally she has potted a um, avocado pit. So she oh can yeah, I grew an avocado, avocado tree. Pit. That's what I'm today. They have a compost pile that they, they collect all their organic foods to put into this compost thing so they can use that to soil their garden.
3: That's 165 it. gallon. My worms are coming today. <laughs> so it sounds like
1: that nice. actually is a
0: strength. It's it's especially a strength. when you think about yeah. black women. Like He's that's tried. a good thing. Indeed. We'll celebrate that. She's Indeed. A
1: healthy, She's a healthy, healthy person. So I just want to make sure that people know this isn't a a person that's reckless with their body and their diet and they're not taking care of themselves. Um That's not this situation, but go ahead. So you're not a (laughs) hypochondriac.
3: Well, I do. I do probably worry a little too much, but I mean, how much is too much when it's your health, right? You only Mm -hmm. get one life. You only get one. You only get one chance on this rock. So once I realized that, once I realized I wasn't invincible after your invincible 20s, (laughs) and I started you know getting down to business you know I started talking to my mom more about our family health and Ebony and I have had these conversations many times where it's kind of hard to get a straight answer out of your family sometimes about Mm -hmm. your about You know family history Um, and especially when it comes to cancer if someone made it out they may not want to revisit that they may not want to talk about it if they didn't make it out that's a sore subject for the people that are left behind so you, you know especially in black culture it's not really common to be so forthcoming with like past history like uh, past health problems in your family. But uh, from what I did know, it was a very healthy portion of, you know my aunt uncles and my grandparents having cancer. My grandpa just passed um, in July from bladder cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer, but she didn't pass from that. Uh, she passed from heart disease, which is another very big issue for black women and women in general. Um, I mean, my my aunt had brain cancer. My mom is one of seven. She's the second youngest. So with my mom and she's 60 and she's the second youngest, of course, I'm going to see all the health problems because Mm. everyone in my family is like, so old, you know, trending older. So when I turned 30, you know, I knew that the recommendation was 45, but I really take like rules as suggestions and suggestions as I know better. And laws as rules, right? So I take it a step down. And so then, you know, I got the approval from my insurance company when I was 30 to start uh, getting mammograms. And I started going like on my birthday. And I was like, you know, everything's going to be clear. So I'd I'd go get a mammogram then I would go to Hooters, eat lunch by myself. That's a tradition I started when I was 21. And then I would go to cupcake and get cupcakes. And I eat cupcakes for the rest of the week. (laughs) And that's my birthday celebration. Mammogram, Hooters, cupcakes boobs boobs nice <laughs> right. and uh, um so uh then i had a baby when i was 33 and really that's a that's a uh, i don't know i kind of kicked myself a little bit but it has we've gone over my medical records and just how random this kind of this cancer is and was for me and um they they told me that i didn't do anything that was super harmful to my health but i skipped 33 cuz i had a baby um and I just said hey, I'm out, Lauren. You weren't even well,
1: again at this when you we because I want to make sure the audience <laughs> again, your first mammogram was completely clean. Yes. Technically, according and to first, the
3: second ma- and third were completely
1: first, clean. second and third were completely clean. According to the American Cancer Society, you weren't even supposed to be having a mammogram for 15 more years. Yes. So you weren't even supposed to be checking at all. So it wasn't that you did anything wrong by skipping getting one one year when you had your yeah. child.
3: Yeah, yeah, so- and that's kind of what you know. If if I do something like wrong or you know kind of out of line like i won't be able to sleep so i mean mm-hmm. for me to be able to sleep for another 18 months like i i came to terms with it and i would felt fine with it you know i was breastfeeding i didn't know and you know again i kind of looked it up but i was breastfeeding i didn't know if the milk would do anything because i had dense breasts and large breasts and they were engorged all the time and so i just didn't know if that was the time and i you know i would breastfed for like eight months so by the time I was done with that I got my referral for you know at age of 34 and then COVID hit mm-hmm. so I got my mm-hmm. referral in January COVID hit in March because I was like scheduled for like April right they had to schedule that far out mm-hmm. and um, then that appointment was canceled because all you know imaging was canceled mm-hmm. and I got in in July um, I was on bereavement for my grandfather. So, you know, we had just gotten back into town and they had an opening that day. It, it was kismet. It was God. It was nobody but God. So, uh, went in and they were like, wow, you got really dense breast tissue, but you know, we're, we're used to that. I just want to make sure, you know, that you have dense breast tissue. And I was like, yes, thank you. And, uh, they called me the next day and they were like, uh, eh, you've got some calcifications, uh, that's very uncommon for a woman who's 34. Uh, it's very uncommon for someone who's not in menopause or, you know, are you in early menopause? And I was like, no, you know, I just came from OB for my annual in May and, you know, they didn't feel anything on their breast exam. I haven't felt anything on my breast exam. I do a self exam a couple of times a month. Uh, and this is your reminder feel on the first for sure. You know, it's easy to remember, just make sure you have a baseline for your body. Mm-hmm. uh but uh so i was like okay and they were like we really need you to come back in and i was like okay and randomly later that week my ob called me and um i know we talk about you know racial disparities and um how much harder it is for people of color um to find extraordinary medical care i'll say extraordinary right um just maybe because of where you live you might not live close to a hospital or you might be afraid of people in medicine, which is very common. But when I say like my GP calls me like, like personally, and my OB is calling me to check up and see how making the second baby is going. That's insane. Like, that's crazy. And again, that's not, that's nobody but God. Yeah. So she called me and I said, Hey, I'm glad you called. Uh, and i I mean, for real, she called me from her cell phone. I said, I'm glad you called. Uh, Cause I am, um, you know, I just got a mammogram. They said they found the calcifications and they're kind of, they want me to come back in for a second mammogram. And I wasn't like not considering it, but I kind of was considering not going back because they didn't sound really worried. They were just like moderately concerned. You've got a little asymmetry, you got a little calcifications. And she was like, Oh no, you need to go. The calcifications are not common and not good. And I was like, I'm going. And I got the phone with her and I called scheduling. So I go in for the second one and I get a mammogram and a ultrasound and uh, they found the calcifications. What date was this um, by this point? This is now August. So the first one was at the end of July. This is like two and a half weeks later. We're in August and they found it and the doctor came in and she's like, I don't like the way this looks and we need to do a biopsy. And I was like, Oh, is that today? And she was like, no, I mean, I'm not really concerned. It just doesn't look normal, but we're going to have you come back because it, it's going to be like quite a process. Um, because what I had was a string of calcifications. I had no tumor. I had nothing. They identified as a bigger calcification of anything else. This could not be felt with a self exam or from my doctor. Um, and so they just didn't like the way it looked. And I'm so scared. I came back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I feel wild. That she didn't feel any lump, no nothing, y'all. Nothing. And I will say, towards so around that second mammogram, I did start getting a pain in my armpit. And I did bring that up to so now my OB is out because she contracted COVID. So I went back to the OB um, and the doctor that I saw in, you know, gave me an exam. And he'd listened to my concerns, but he was like, oh, that's just uh, um, that's just an ingrown hair. Do you shave your armpits? I'm like, yeah, there's no hair in there. And so he's like, yeah, that's just an ingrown hair. So don't worry about it. But if it persists, let us know.
1: And what did the pain feel like, Lauren? It did it feel sharp, just- dull? What did it feel like?
3: it it was like a dull pain and like now knowing what it is i can kind of explain to you better like now i know it was my lymph nodes but it felt exactly like when your lymph nodes in your neck or throat or wherever they're really they're in your neck and throat, or they're right. your neck mm-hmm. and throat. when you're sick and there's that pressure in yeah. your neck and throat and you know it's your lymph nodes and they say your glands that's exactly what it felt like in my armpit So that's kind of a, that's another symptom. So I, I always say I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't have any warning signs, but I mean, that is one, but it also could, I mean, your lymph nodes are there to protect you. So that doesn't just mean that it's cancer, but I did have that, you know, little red flag, but by the time that I would have gone back to the OB, I had that biopsy and the calcifications came back cancerous. Um, So that's what's wild, because again, even through all my treatment, when I'm speaking to the oncological surgeon or my oncologist, they're saying lesion, they're not really saying tumor, because there wasn't one, but it was um, about six centimeters, the calcifications were spread out along my duct that were about six centimeters long. Um, There were a lot of them um, and they biopsied three. And so that's now September 3rd, where I got that third mammogram ultrasound biopsy. And then they called me on the fourth with my diagnosis.
2: Wow. Wow, Lauren. September Lot. You know, Lauren, there's there's a word that she said multiple times during, during telling this story that I want to underscore for our listeners. And you talked about having dense breasts, and when so I'm much like you. I like to schedule my stuff out. I always schedule my OB um, appointment. Kim says this makes me sad, but I schedule mine for Valentine's Day because
0: it's my self love. Like I always
1: wear.
2: <laughs> I, I agree with both of you.
1: I, I get it. It's weird, all but I understand.
2: Time. I I, I never forget scheduling it. But the first time I got mine was at 40 and they told me that I had dense breasts and dense breast tissue. And I didn't even, y'all, I had never even heard of having fatty versus dense breast tissue before that. And at the end of the day, to your point, Lauren, and you're an example of this, women who have dense breasts have a higher chance of getting breast cancer because for the folks who are listening, the, the denser your breasts are, the more likely it is that they're going to hide tumors or fibroids. And so things can be missed, even in a, in a um, mammogram. All that to say, if you discover that you do have dense breast tissue like I did when I turned 40 and had my first mammogram, you can ask your doctor to have something besides a mammogram, right? The mammogram's not the end-all, be-all. There's other kinds of tests that you can take. Your your, your doctor might say you need a breast ultrasound or you need an an MRI. And another thing I want to circle back that a comment that Lauren made, you said you were 30 when you got your first mammogram and you advocated for that. Much like... If you have dense breast tissue, your insurance might not naturally say you qualify for a breast ultrasound. So you can always advocate to your insurance to say, yo, I got these dense breasts. I didn't know I had these dense breasts. I need more than just a traditional ultrasound or the 3D ultrasound. I need more than just the traditional mammogram. And so I love that you talked about advocating for yourself because a lot of times I just feel like. Black folk in particular don't recognize that the rules that are written in those insurance policies are not, it's not the hard and fast, and you might need something different. So and I'll just Kelly, share that.
0: And they don't, and not just to add hard and fast, Kelly, but necessarily they weren't taken with you in consideration. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Completely. Exactly. And another thing is, is that
1: who, it's unfortunate that we do place on the shoulders of lay people. To know medical procedures, how mm-hmm. am I supposed to, if 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 the only thing we've ever talked about is mammograms? How am I supposed to know you you can use an ultrasound on my breast? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. I had no clue. Yeah, yeah, I had no we, clue. That's the medical community. That's our fault. Um, and and really, we got to push to say how are we taking care of everyone, and not just the majority of white people. All
2: mm-hmm. Right, uh,
0: y'all got me sitting yeah. here thinking, are my breast tits? Well, well tits. here's the <laughs> thing, Cam. Uh,
2: according to CDC. People generally have dense breasts if you're younger, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, if you're t- taking hormone replacement, or if you have a lower
0: body weight. And I was none of those things. So I gonna like, say, now I am younger. Dense. I'm sorry, I'm younger, Kelly. I'm well, you're take younger that than one, me, but, <laughs> but you ain't necessarily <laughs> on the spectrum. A spring I'm a, chicken. On I know spring chicken. Okay. <laughs> you're
3: just a chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are
0: you a full chicken? I'm a full chicken. chicken. The spring is gone. I'm a a winter chicken. (laughs) I'm a winter chicken. (laughs) But one other thing I want to throw in there is not just women, but men. So men with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I actually had a guy friend who totally weird that um, from college, who I had to take him to his outpatient procedure. Breast cancer was common in his family. And unfortunately he was the one, not his siblings or his cousins to, um, be diagnosed with breast cancer. So he had a small Mm -hmm. procedure, but still, Mm -hmm. you know, check your husbands, your sons, your cousins out as well. The male side of your family. Absolutely. The
1: the dog got breast cancer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly though, but the exposures that we have now versus years ago is changed. Environmental Mm -hmm. racism. We know toxins in the air and water. We know about changes in our diet and what they're allowing animals to eat that, when we eat those animals, we also consume
2: mm-hmm.
1: pesticides on our plants. I mean, yeah, it's that bad, people.
3: So I do want to say, um, when I was thirty, because I have the same GP, and I'm I'm very again. I, the t- I said this earlier in the week. I feel like I've assembled like uh, the Avengers. <laughs> like I don't know if you're Marvel or DC. But whatever, okay. I've got a team, and Ebony's on that team. and I know she's tired of me texting her about medical advice, but um, like I love every doctor that's on my team. And my again, my I've been with my GB going on ten years now, and when I say something, he listens. And when I say he calls me, I mean he has called me during this during this whole journey to check up, to check on my husband, to check on my family. He's never even met my husband. He literally, I I remember telling him when I'm met Trey and I was like oh my god I finally got a boyfriend he was like oh I guess I'm out of the running I was like yes you are it was just like so fun and just so nice and um, when I wanted to get the mammogram he was like hey um, oh, you know I'll write you the referral for an ultrasound and I was like I'm gonna have a mammogram so you can throw that in there too and he was like no you only need one so we'll do the mammogram if that's what you say but you know if you're If your doctor, your GP, your OB, if they do write you a referral for an ultrasound, I wouldn't spit at it because Mm -hmm. I still had to have both. And actually, depending on, you know, like Kelly was saying, depending on what your situation is, the ultrasound might be better for you. Mm -hmm. I was very hard headed at 30 and I was like, nope, I came for a 3D mammogram and I'm not leaving without one. So he was like, and I do know that. And I would like for you to get out of my office. So here's your referral
2: for that 3D
0: mammogram. (laughs) You know
2: how jealous I am right now, Lauren? You said your doctor has known you for the past ten years. I went to the same GP for five years. At my last check in, and I've shared this on this podcast. I, she walked into the um, to the exam room, and she said, "Nice to meet you, y'all." I was oh like, "My God!" Mm-hmm. Five years later.
1: Mm-hmm. Five years mm-hmm. later. That's, which is why which is, that's wow. a blessing, Lori. <laughs> wow. I want to give the your doctors a, a quick shout out because the good ones yes. never really get mentioned. So that's thank incredible. You. You're in Charleston, Indiana, for our viewers that are in Charleston, if you're looking yes. for great doctors, list them out.
3: Yes, yeah, so here we go. If you're looking for great doctors who are compassionate, have amazing bedside manner, who are very communicative to every respect everybody, no matter your walk of life, no matter your orientation, sexual race, anything, right. they are receptive, responsive, compassionate. Um, my GP um, is Dr. Gov. He's on Daniel Island. My oncologist is Dr. Ryan Kalinske. He's in the Roper Network. Um, mm-hmm. And I, what I love about, you know, the oncological team is they travel and they're at a different location every day of the week. So if you're in Mc- you know, McClellanville or Ravenel. they're in Mount Pleasant, you know, they're Mm -hmm. in West Ashley, they're in, they're um, in Lodson, which is close to me. So again, I'm blessed that I get to go to the cancer center. That's less than 10 minutes from my house for most of my visits. And, you know, I, I've met people who have to drive to the hospital to go get chemo and things like that. And so, um, Uh, breast surgeon Dr. Megan Baker she is amazing like she has a wealth of knowledge Um, radiation radiotherapy Dr. McDowell she's incredible all these people are just like a wealth of knowledge and I will say I have looked specifically for doctors of color dentists of color in the past and it just doesn't work out with my insurance right now so none of these people are medical professionals of color but again I say like I have never felt anything less than welcome and cared for and listened to from day one with any of these people. And some of them were not, they weren't in there at first, right? Because I had like different referrals and I had to advocate for myself, realize this wasn't the relationship that I needed. Needed mm-hmm. can prosper. From. It, it wasn't deserved was not going to work out well. Um, she didn't listen well. Uh, we just weren't. We weren't speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. She's not for me. I'm not for a lot of people. It's fine. Uh, but you that's another thing you do need to do is assemble your team and, and find your people.
0: Lauren, I'm That'd glad you mentioned to that to Yeah, shout out to them, because I'm glad you mentioned that team. While we know that the incidence rate of breast cancer for Black and white women are about the same, mortality rate is very different, and unfortunately, yeah. we lose way too many Black women because mm-hmm. of that health equity, <clears throat> compassionate bedside manner, and even um, c- striving to make sure that those patients are um, considered in treatment options and how we access that care. So. Talk about just knowing that, um, the weight of those mortality rates, right? Cause you're a researcher, you know, these things uh, and, and that's a mental strain. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. mental strain, especially when you're going through it. So talk about that for us. Talk about your mental battle through this fight with cancer.
3: Yeah. So the mental aspect of it is, is pretty important, um, and I didn't, I didn't consider it initially. Um, you know, when they, when my doctor called me and told me introductor carcinoma, you know, I got off the phone with them. I had no idea what he just said. So I called Ebony <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, okay. What okay, 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 okay. You know, Ebony with her okays, and I think that's like her centering herself. That's her mantra. Okay, right. Some people say, um, mm. Ebony says, Okay, okay, okay. Well,
1: don't yep. do it. Yep,
0: she does. Don't
3: do, <laughs> it. Don't do it.
1: Y'all and gotta understand because, like
3: I said,
1: this is like my little sister. Yeah, and, and now I'm gonna cry, <laughs> but no, but it was like, um, when she said that, I was my first sauce was, but she's only 34 you know, and, and, and knowing, um, and because we had talked so for over the years, we had talked so much about Brett, her, her fear of breast cancer. And, um, and, and literally when she first mentioned, when she was 30, I was like, well, Lauren, if your body is telling you to go and do this, trust your body. I don't care what's happening. Just tell him you want one. And if you yeah, right. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to go do it. I was like, yeah, trust what, what things are saying. So when she called and said, you know, I have cancer, it was just, like, a moment of, like, okay, okay, how do I process this, too, and not taking the moment for her to process and get out everything that she needs to say, because I'm just, like, this is my, this is my little sister, you know, so go ahead.
3: Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I called you to kind of get some, Footing to understand what's going on because you know, my doctor and I ended up calling him back three, four times in a yeah. row, uh, to the point where he's like, Look, this is the office, this is my office number, not the office number. Don't even worry about them trying to transfer you, leave a voicemail or what. Um, but just to get footing and realize what was happening. You know, yeah. it's all, it's all, you know, you go to the mammogram pool and every other time it's been like, girl, why are you even here? Why did you even come? You got dense breast, but you're all good. Cool. And then when they tell you you have cancer, you're like uh, okay. Wait, what? And Mm -hmm. so I really didn't even consider the, what kind of toll that would take mentally. I knew it would be an emotional toll. I knew it would be a physical toll on my body. Um, but the mental part has been hard, the hardest part easily, because for me personally, my mind trails. I mean, it goes a million miles a minute. I mean, Kim Kim, you and I have talked about this a couple of times. Just we cannot turn our brains off. And so all you do is think about the worst things. You think about, you know, I've I've known people with cancer. I only know one young, you know, I only know one AYA cancer patient, you know, adolescent and young adult to pass. Um I've known I probably have like five or six friends that have had different cancers and are in remission. I don't know anyone Personally, that's an active treatment right now. But I've never asked, you know, I've I've asked them how they were physically, but I never thought to ask them what it was like mentally. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have any kind of, I didn't have any kind of idea what it would be like but just thinking, you know, your, your mind goes everywhere, you know, where is it? Has it spread? And then, and it wasn't helped by that first surgeon who was saying those same things to me too. Has it spread? Bitch, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. spread. You're the doctor and we don't have a pet to go off of like, okay. And so, I mean, thinking about my son, he was 19 months old when I was diagnosed 19 Mm -hmm. months old. Like I'm, I just got the green light to go have another baby. My mind is thinking, Thinking about how I can best take care of my son, my husband, and oh my gosh, let's have another baby. Like, I'm in the process of growing my family. I'm in the process of establishing myself as a business professional. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I had just gotten a new job. And I mean, God, no, this is 2020. So, I mean, I had been there for a year, but, you know, I'm establishing myself at this company and I'm trying to grow and get promotions and do everything I can before I have this other baby. And you, I just, I hit a dead end, you know. I'm, I'm 34. You know, I always thought I'd get cancer because everybody in my family has cancer, but I thought I'd be like 65. Honestly, that was the number I had in my mm-hmm. brain, 65. And you're over the hill, which is 40 or 50 for some people. And 65 is like whatever. And you do it and you get it done and whatever. But not 34. I'm not even considered geriatric yet for a pregnancy. <laughs> like I, I just want to have this baby. Um, So I'm thinking about my son being raised without a mom. I'm thinking about my husband having to date again. Like this is the day of diagnosis. My mind is going everywhere. And then through treatment, you know, you, you think, can I do this? Can I keep going? How much more can my body take? How much more can I take? Then you look at it and try to put it in perspective, like, this is only the first step. I've got five more steps to go. I've got, I've got a double mastectomy. I've got reconstruction. I've got radiotherapy. I've got immunotherapy. I got to finish chemo. I've I've got to take short leave. Do I take two leaves? Like then your mind goes off on your career thing and your money thing. Like the mental part is probably
0: 60% of this. Mm Mm-hmm. You mentioned it, that I mean, money thing, that money thing, because no one's, you don't have a checking savings, vacation fund and cancer fund. Like that's mm-hmm. just not how we're generally built. But we know that, you know, bankruptcy, bankruptcy is usually common for people because of medical bills. You yeah. know what yep. I mean? Yeah. 60% yeah. of bankruptcies yeah. are caused by medical issues.
1: Yeah. Yes. It wrecks lives. So how do you navigate that? Um Yeah.
3: Yeah. And Ebony, you and I had a conversation about this just recently when I was talking about, you know, a cancer diagnosis, you look at your insurance, right? That's the first thing you look at. It's like, how well have I prepared myself for a a medical emergency? And you look at your out-of-pocket max and you look at your deductible and that's fine. But then you don't think about the trickle down, right? You don't think about the wigs, you don't think about the other head coverings. You don't think about the it, the days you're going to miss for your port surgery, for IVF, for when chemo is just taking you out and you physically, like we're all remote right now. You physically can't even sit up in bed to turn your computer on. You have to take a day, you
0: mm-hmm. know, then you're
3: at a PTO and now you're on unpaid days. So now your pay is, is less and everything else is still going. Um, and then what if you aren't even covered? right? Like what if you get this diagnosis? Thank God you have the information, but then what are you going to do with it? Mm So I'm usually pretty scrappy. I'm usually pretty (laughs) like I'll make it through. And I stumbled just randomly on Instagram. I stumbled on grants and I've been really steadfast on the grants and applying for things. And I mean, once you do one, you get the hang of it, but those have been a godsend too, because you know, it's $500,000 here. But that really that that builds up and it really, really helps. And, you know, those approval letters come at really good. You know, they usually come at like the best time. Right. And it's like, hey, we just want to let you know that you've been approved for this grant and we're covering your electric bill and we're covering, you know, bill a 72 whatever. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's you know, I've got seven bills and it's like that's covering one of them. And that's amazing. So that's, that's one thing that I highly recommend. You know, you can start at uh, american cancer society they have like literally every kind of cancer like very specific um and then like when the grants are open and when they're closed and you can apply for them even if you're out of act- active treatment um but there are resources out there financial i know a lot of people are like oh we'll give you tools and and uh like
2: mm-hmm.
3: like here's a therapist or here's a group session or something like that but sometimes you really just need money And And I never, never, yeah, being in medicine,
2: I never, I never even knew those grants existed Mm -hmm. for individuals. I never knew. Yeah. That's incredible. Look, Lauren, kind of before we start to wrap up, I have one more question. And, you know, apologies if this one sounds kind of trivial, but I know, and we talk about beauty a lot on this podcast. You know, we talk about societal pressures for how a woman is supposed to look, Black women in particular. And yeah. I'm just curious, you know, what did that feel like for you to think about the way in which you look and the way in which you present during the stage? And just kind of one little aside to this before you answer, we know that a lot of these beauty products that are targeted towards Black women actually are known to cause cancer, whether it's skin lighteners or hair relaxers or the the blowout treatments or the acrylic nails. And so kind of touch on both of those pieces. One, mentally, how did you navigate this this concept of your, your beauty during the stage of cancer and how did that impact you, if at all? And then just kind of what's your take on some of these products that Black women are ingesting and putting onto their bodies that might result in cancer?
3: Um, I first want to say that's not trivial at all. That's a fantastic question. Um, and it has a really heavy mental component. So when you're going through treatment, um, first off, like I found this quote and I'm not a huge like quote person, but I found this quote a few weeks ago and it says, we have two lives. And the second one begins when we realize that we only have one and it's from (laughs) Confucius and that stopped me in my tracks and gave me Goosebumps because Mm -hmm. it says we we have two lives and the second one begins when we realize we only have one. And it's like, it's when they say, you know, when people say like, Oh, my third eye is open and all that stuff. Like I'm terrible at yoga. I am terrible at meditating. Can't turn my brain off. I we've started trying because there are like proven health benefits to meditate. I'm trying, but that quote got me because that's true. Mm -hmm. That person from September 3rd, she's dead. She's dead. I am a whole new Lauren Candy Starpley. Mm -hmm. than I was, and she was born on September 4th. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, huh? That's Beyonce's birthday. September 4th? Mm -hmm. There we go. There mm-hmm. we go. Beehive. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, taking that into account, you know, I really am a whole different person. Um, different things are important to me. Different things. I've learned to let some stuff go. But um, so when I was diagnosed, and, you know, we get down to what stage I am. And, you know, just for clarification, when I was diagnosed, it was um, stage two, HER2 positive, grade three. Um, still with no (laughs) tumor, but just a line of calcifications that were underneath and behind my nipple. So again, would have been really hard if there was even a tumor to find for quite some time. I was already stage two with lymph node involvement. So this is at 34. If I had waited nine years, I wouldn't have made it nine years. If I'd even waited till 40, I don't think I would have made it till 40. Um, And again, just to back up a little bit, my doctor did say that Like, even if I had made my mammogram the day after I got my referral in January, she's like, I don't think we would have even biopsied biopsied you then because of how like random this was. It was almost like a big bang because they referred to my last mammogram and there was nothing, there were no calcifications there. There was no asymmetry there. So after this diagnosis and I've got, you know, I'm my new person and I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh man, that was a really bad dream. Because when you're first diagnosed, you still have your hair. You still look the same. You haven't gained weight from the steroids yet. So I'm like, oh, that was a terrible dream. That would be terrible if I had cancer. And then I'm like, wow, that wasn't a dream. I really have cancer. So you start treatment. And for most people, your hair falls out after the second chemo cycle. Uh, For me, that was on Halloween. So uh, I started losing my hair where you lose your postpartum hair loss. Uh, in chunks. So we just decided to shave my head. So then there's one standard of beauty, right? You have no hair. Then you continue treatment and they give you a lot of steroids. And I was going for fluids every week to stay hydrated and things like that. And that starts to build up and accumulate inside of you. And so then you've gained weight. So then you kind of lose your sense of self. And then that also goes back to that money thing that I was telling about, telling you about, because if you don't have all clothes with, Uh, elastic waistbands you gotta buy new clothes (laughs) like Mm -hmm. uh, throughout treatment i gained 40 pounds and i lost taste for six weeks so that's me not even really eating and i still gained all that weight from steroids um Mm -hmm. so now so now we're in december and i've gained 20 pounds i have no hair I'm wearing these beautiful wraps. Like I love these and they're, and they're great. Kept my head warm, but I've never been bald before. I've never shaved my head before. And, you know, there are a couple of times where I wasn't wearing a head wrap and I did not recognize myself. I honestly hmm. thought I was passing someone in my home when I passed a mirror. I'm like, who is that? fault? No one's bald. Who's bald? Oh, that's me. Okay. I don't look like myself and we're home. So I'm not wearing makeup daily or even weekly. Sure. But you lose your sense of self. And then I had to realize this is that new Lauren, right? And my hair will grow back. That's fine. The hair was the easiest part. And I thought it might be hard because it becomes part of your identity. Good, bad, or ugly. That might sound vain. But, you know, if if you have been blonde, you know, even anyone who's blonde, like, if you're like, oh, Lauren, she's the blonde one, right? Then that becomes part of your identity. It's, it's how people identify you. Um, if you're like, ah, I'm always the size medium at Old Navy and now you're not (laughs) like that, you know, that's, that's a big mental burden. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the other part of your question
1: was within six, you you were, you got your mammogram in July. Yep. You had the, um, loss of hair and, and the weight gain by December. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how fast (laughs) life had happened. Cause you started chemotherapy. You said September 4th, you received July mammogram, September
3: 4th diagnosis, chemo started October October 9th. So I had, yeah. So I had, um, the egg retrieval on the eighth and I started chemo on the ninth and, um, yeah, it, I mean, it all happened so fast. And, and what's crazy is, you know, you, you've got 35 years of being you, And then you've got six months of being this new person and you know, it is a mental struggle between the two lives. And I haven't fully transitioned to this new Lauren yet. Like, I don't know what will be the catalyst for that. I don't know if it'll be like when my hair grows back and like, this is new me when I lose all the weight or after my next breast surgery, when I, when I know I'm finished with surgery for the time being or what have you, um, But like I said, that was a really good question because I am currently battling with products right Mm -hmm. so after you get a diagnosis when you're in treatment when you're in active treatment I ate candy for breakfast I don't care I have cancer the doctor honestly tells you eat what you can because you gotta Mm -hmm. eat something I ate Oreos and pretzels and then I had candy sometimes I would drink they told me I could drink some wine like whatever but then once you're done with active treatment because you've got chemo killing whatever right they say there's a myth that sugar causes cancer whatever but or feeds cancer Cells, but all food feeds cancer cells. They're a pest and you're a host. So, you know, that I'm in that struggle right now. Like, how do I go forward eating something I know has a high soy content? How do I go forward using deodorant that I know contains aluminum? How do I go like what is what is what is going to be my go-to hairstyle now that I can't consciously get a relaxer for quite some time? but I've been getting a relaxer since I was 12. So Mm. do I just have super curly hair now? How is my hair going to grow back? I don't even know if that's an option. I don't know if it's going to grow back straight or curly, but how do I do the things that I was doing knowing that it causes cancer and having been so close to that and not knowing what caused mine? I don't know how I operate in that space. Um, I have made some shifts to vegan and organic beauty supplies and materials Um, the radiologist recommended a good like aluminum free deodorant but there are some things you just can't avoid what is that
2: deodorant
3: Uh, it's the arm and hammer arm and hammer essentials and it comes in like three different scents i have rosemary lavender (laughs) Um, So it's nice. But yeah, that's I mean, I don't have a definitive answer to that, because right now I'm still trying to change everything over. But there are some things that are just unavoidable. And, you know, I've spoken to some other AYA cancer patients about it. And they're like, Lauren, you just gotta do what you can where you can. And it doesn't have to be organic for it to be more safe. Please don't misunderstand Um, because there are some people that don't have access to that or, you know, don't have the means for that. And that's fine. And it doesn't have to be organic to be healthy. But um, yeah, I don't know what that looks like, but I have changed my makeup i'll see if it's worth a damn like i don't know <laughs> like it's, you need like formaldehyde in your foundation for it to last 24 hours like mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff even that right there like that's super concerning right you know but i don't need sure. foundation to last 24 hours i'm out i'm outside for three hours and i gotta come back home like and so we can find a something for that more. we can, we we can find that yeah yes
0: so, yes yes I can't well, all day all night
3: but. Yeah, we
0: could dig into this with you all day because I am learning so much. And you have me <laughs> thinking about how I move forward and making sure I, you know, I jump into that. But before we hop into the be bothered, because there are so many things you mentioned that we want to stress. I do want yeah. you to talk about this podcast you have.
3: Oh yeah. So Life with Little Ones. Um my biggest fan is Ebony. <laughs> like she's the one who really pushed me to do it and like helped me figure out how to channel my energy into something that was productive. But Life with Little Ones is the podcast for blended kids. That's the company that I started. Two months before diagnosis, I had launched the podcast one month before being diagnosed. And mm-hmm. honestly, um, I was like, how do I continue? What do I do? Right. Mm-hmm. And I just feel I felt and I still feel so passionate about what the message is. And, you know, the premise of blended kids and like the little ones that I just kind of let it go. So I've done the podcast all through treatment, all through chemo. Um, I did take this month off for surgery. I just really wanted to heal the right way. But it blended kids is a company uh, that I created to make a safe space for parents of all kinds, parents of multi ethnic multi racial, multi-religious households, things like that. So they could have a community. And then life with little ones is the podcast where we just talk about things like that. So I introduce, uh, concepts like conscious coupling. Like I've got a friend who's in a conscious coupling. They do not want to get married. I guess that's the new thing that, um, Gen Z is all about like they just could not care less about like institutions that we have set up and try to maintain but like whatever and um uh, like same-sex couples uh multi-religious households I talked to a breast cancer survivor she was diagnosed in her 20s um with ER. PR positive and just like her journey to motherhood. So we just talk about, I mean, I interviewed like a single mother. I'm got uh, this month coming up of interviewing someone who just like doesn't even want kids. So this is just a safe space just to teach people about like all the different kinds of families that are out there to show everyone that we are more alike than you think. And we can either start in the same place or end up in the same place. But uh, if you end up in the same place, you didn't start in the same place and vice versa. So we, it's just, like, it's built on a premise of love and education to promote understanding and just, um, just like, a more civil, just promoting, like, a more civil life going forward. Um, I had to do that as my part for my child, as he is biracial. And, you know, I was just looking for a community of, like, you know, uh, parents raising multiracial children. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, want to create a safe space like that. And I think that if we spread information and education, that that will start to hopefully change things where Chip lives in a better world than, you know, like we were brought up in just be better than the, the last generation a little bit.
0: That's beautiful, Lauren. Yeah. I mean, going through so much and holding so many roles of your own. Here you go, adding another, just so that <laughs> someone else can be blessed by through Let your own experiences. It. Let them use you. Let them yeah, use you. Yeah. Yes. It. Yes. Yes. Well, y'all, let's hop into the and be bothered because there's so many things we should discuss. So this is the segment where we give our listeners advice about how to put some legs on the B word that we just unpacked. And so we've, we've given you guys an introductory level to breast cancer, especially breast mm-hmm. cancer and black women. So good talk, ladies, tell the people, tell the B pack what they can do to either bring awareness to breast cancer disparities or even prevent um, preventative measures that they can take on themselves. Let's start with you, Kels.
2: Awesome. So just a few simple things I'd suggest to our listeners. You know, the first one is don't be afraid of doing a self breast exam. You let other people touch them. Don't be scared to touch them yourself. I mean, just really get up in there and rub on them and see what they feel like. So ladies do that once a month and just get up in there. So that'd be the first thing. The other thing is start those mammograms as soon as possible. We learned today, Lauren started hers at 30. I started mine at 40. Don't be shy in terms of questioning when you can get yours and try to push those boundaries a little bit in terms of when you're eligible or when your insurance might let you have one. You'd be surprised what you can get, ladies and gentlemen, when you simply ask for it. And then the last thing I'd say is if you have a family history of cancer, definitely start talking to your doctor about that sooner rather than later and really press your family to disclose what some of those pieces might be. Because, you know, I'm a generation removed from folks who referred to cancer as the C word, you know, and weren't comfortable talking about it. So get your family comfortable talking about that, because that can save your life and the life of your children. So those would be the three little tips I'd offer up.
0: What about you, Kim? I'm a segue from yours because mine is pretty similar. You know, talking to your mom, your aunties, your sisters, your cousins, your church folk, not about their own experiences, but also their screening habits. What are some Mm -hmm. things that y'all are doing just to make sure that we're screening in the right way? Because some things we've learned, we've, we've learned to improve. And so how do we learn to get all up in there, like Kelly said? And then learning that family history pushing your parents, pushing your aunts to tell those experiences, and then seeking that genetic counseling. I actually had that done a couple of years ago, and it was covered by my insurance because of the proximity of the family members that had died from cancer. So not only did I have them screened for breast cancer, but I had them screened for all GI cancers as well. So just depending on the proximity of those who've been afflicted with cancer in your family, your insurance may cover it too. So again, ask those questions. And then I'm going to kick it over to Dr. Hilton.
1: You know, um, one of my big things is we need to change policies. Lauren's story just highlights how your, your story may not fit a norm. We base a lot of these you know, policies and protocols on majority white people, for one, um, and, and Black people we get diagnosed with not only breast cancer, but breast cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, um, lung cancer. We get diagnosed with these cancers at younger ages, and so by the time that they are actually found, they have a more aggressive stage, right? Like Lauren said, she was diagnosed at 34 with stage two. If she had waited to 40 or 45, like the guidelines said, we will not, we would not be talking to her. She yeah. would be dead, right? Yes, that has to change. It. So my biggest push would be for Black people, really push um, not only politicians but also insurance companies to say that. I'm paying you money, not for you to tell me no, but for you to actually, if I have a concern about my health, I should be able to be free to go and get that investigated and not be denied coverage and not put a financial burden on me. So so truly being, um, how do you say it, politically involved, y'all know it's always gonna come back to politics for me because health is political, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so what about you, Lauren? You're the expert. What do you want <laughs> our viewers to know about this?
3: Well, I agree with everything that all three of you said. Uh, the first thing I do want to share is that my BRCA was negative, right? And that's the genetic testing that Kimberly was talking about. Um, and by the way, I just found out that it's called BRCA because it's you're screening for a breast cancer. So <laughs> that's the test. Um, but I would say when you do go in for a screening, a mammogram, the genetic testing, an ultrasound, I, because I like to cross my T's and dot my I's, I personally would do more than one because my BRCA was negative. And if I had just done the BRCA and had a negative result, then that would have given me a false sense of security. Um, If you get the ultrasound, trust the ultrasound. If you get the mammogram, you know, that's visual. They might send you back for an ultrasound. My second tip would be don't be so scared. You are allowed to feel all of your feelings, but don't be so scared that you keep it from going to get checked out you might be scared, but don't let it paralyze you because the longer you wait, if you do have an incidence or if you have any, anything in you that needs to get out, the longer you wait, the worse it is going to get. And just, they have a stage zero now they've instituted that and they recategorized cancers. So if you have a stage zero, like my grandma said, you might just need a little touch of radiation and a little lumpectomy, girl, you don't have to do the whole gambit with the chemo and the radiation like me. So it, the sooner you catch it and the more proactive you are, the less treatment you'll need and the, l- the less harsh it'll be on your body. You'll bounce back really quick. You'll have, you know, great life experience and maybe you got it and you won't get anything else ever. So just don't be scared. And If you're scared, have somebody go with you. I'll go with you. If you're in Charleston, I'll go with you. Really, I got to go every six months. Actually, I think I have to go three months for the first year and six months after that, I will go with you. Um, it, nothing is scarier. Than being told you have stage four i'm telling you that nothing scarier than waking up dead nothing second scarier than being told you have like that you you're metastatic don't let it get to that point be your own advocate if your doctors aren't listening to you they're not your people go find another doctor there is there are doctors out there with fantastic bedside manner and are good listeners um if you're not in the position you know, in the location to see the doctors that I recommended. It's cool. There are other great doctors out there too, but know that you are your biggest advocate. These doctors might know medicine and cancer more than you, but no one knows
2: you more than you.
3: Wow. And that's period.
2: Mic drop. mic drop, mic drop, mic <laughs> drop moment. There's there, y'all, there's nothing much left to say after that. pack. knowledge is power. And we hope yes. that some of the information shared today will be life-saving, if not life-changing. Thanks for tuning in as always. Be, f- be sure to follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And remember, you can actually view our podcast live and in living color on our YouTube page. Tell us what you thought about today's episode in the comment section below. And let mm-hmm. us know if there's another B word that you would want us to unpack in a future episode. All right, Pack, until the next time, stay positive, do breast stuff exams, get up in there. <laughs> and until the next time, ladies, let's, let's keep, keep unpacking. unpacking.
0: Thank you for unpacking another B-Word with Kelly Kim and Ebony. Follow the B-Word on Instagram at the B-Word Unpacked and follow Goodstock Consulting on Facebook and YouTube. Learn more about Goodstock at www.goodstockconsulting.com.